Welcome to the Struggling Hunters. We're working hard every day on bringing you our successes and our failures. I am Eric. I'm Joe. And we are the Struggling Hunters. Struggling Hunters. <laughs> ah. Tried to throw that in there. <laughs> I, I Yeah. Here we go again, right? <laughs> right. Oh, excuse me. Right off the bat, I cough right in the mic. That's very professional. That's the struggle of it. It is. <laughs> anyway, so today we got uh, we got another exciting podcast going back into history a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give it to Joe here in a second. But before we do all that, thanks, everybody, for giving us a listen, giving us support. You know, we're working hard every week on trying to make this thing grow. And you guys are making it happen. We're slowly growing. Uh, you know, our analytics, we're, sh- we're seeing more and more views every week, uh, every day, at matter of fact. So it's, it's exciting to see. It's kind of our spill every week, but it's, it's very true. And, um, you know, we just appreciate the, the support. So thank you guys. You know, you guys are, uh, are some uh, struggling hunters with us. And uh, what we'll think of a We'll think of a better name than that maybe later on. But anyway, yeah, I just uh, just wanted to kick it off with, you know, saying thanks for the support. Um, like I say, every every week we're kind of we're gaining we're gaining subscribers. We're gaining listens. And it's uh, it's really fun for me and Joe to kind of look at the analytics and see that uh, we're doing something right. Uh, with that said, Joe, I will let you take off with tonight's back in time going back in time on uh on a little journey uh history with uh eric and joe (laughs) (laughs) something like that uh so i guess you know so today we're going to be discussing uh davy crockett uh i don't know about anybody listening or even you eric but every time i was well i was a fan of fan of davy crockett not that i ever really got to know him but uh you know of the old videos that you know, disney put out you know every time you you say davy crockett king of the wild frontier is like what follows next <laughs> but uh so they did a pretty good job at making the videos and marketing that at least but uh before i get started i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what why we've kind of you know, maybe step back in time, step back into time a little bit and trying to, you know, lay a, why are we talking about Davy Crockett and whatnot? And why, you know, yeah, I just, why, but, (laughs) and uh, the reason why I think, I think is the reason why is because, you know, living back then and they were, you know, they were, he was a hunter and uh, spent, you know, not only did he hunt for, to feed his family, but, you know, that was one of the things he liked to do was to hunt. And, uh, and so as being hunters ourselves and, you know, trying to, I, I think for me a little bit is, you know, trying to find that grit that Davy Crockett had, you know, to go through what he, what he did as, as a hunter and as a person, just, you know, taking a step out and like we kind of mentioned in last week's uh, episode about Daniel Boone is what they had to use to hunt with, you know, what their top of the line hunting gear was. And a lot of it was just handmade buckskins or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it was, everyone had the, the, uh, like the guns that they used back then. I think they were starting to get not necessarily mass produced, but uh, the same parts were getting made the same, like that a trigger would was starting to become made the same. Cause one of the things back then, if you broke your trigger or your hammer on your gun or whatever it was, you know, you couldn't just walk over to the, 
general store and pick up a new new hammer you had to have a blacksmith remake it for you or go clear back out to the gunsmith that made it and get and pick up another one so you know i mean there's there's a lot of a lot of differences between then and now but at the same time we're still still trying to understand the woods even though although he probably had a better well he had a better understanding than what we have but anyways uh, I was just trying to, I guess, set the the uh, the scene for us while we all. Why are we all gathered here together today? But uh, Davy Crockett was uh, was born in August. Was born August seventeenth, seventeen eighty six, uh, in Eastern Tennessee. Um, and he was the fifth of nine children. Uh. So kind of in the middle, probably got forgotten quite a bit. Um, looked over being right in the middle of them, of them all. As far as kids go, I'm sure he, you know, got lost by his parents at the time. Or not, shouldn't say get lost, but just didn't realize he was there. But I guess he always had a, he always liked the outdoors. Uh somewhere along the line. So it's kind of, I found a couple different interesting things. Like they all said that he spent a lot of time hunting as a kid, but then there's a couple of them that said that because his dad had, so it kind of gets kind of, kind of tricky. You're not tricky, but I don't know if confusing is the right thing to say, but who, depending on who you're reading has said that his dad like kind of, uh, hired him out to trappers and stuff at the time back then as a kid. So we're talking probably like six years old and to eight or, or so. Um, his, his dad hired him out to go help trappers and mountain men back then. So that's kind of where he got his, uh, you know, love of the outdoors and probably taste of freedom as, you know, being at, I wonder what that would have been like being five or six years old and, yeah, I'm sure the trapper that he would have been with probably had some pretty, you know, high expectations. Not as, you know, I don't know. This is just me speculating. But, you know, he's probably he was probably hired to, you know, keep his gear clean, keep the traps cleaned and, you know, keeping that all in line. Probably cleaned a lot of pelts, but at the same time, that's kind of a you know, almost freedom in a way to a younger kid out in the woods all the time like that. But uh, then I, then it's, so it talks about him being hired out and then there talks about him being hired out as a kid or he came back and worked off some of his dad's debt. His dad got into debt and he came back and worked for some guy on a farm. I think it was a farm from, I I said till he was about 16 and then he worked from 16 to 20 for the, for this guy on his own merit, making his own money. And then it was in that time he got married and I think he had five, five kids. I didn't write that down with his first wife. And then she ended up passing away and he remarried and the lady that he remarried, uh, she had two kids and then I think they ended up having four more kids together. So he kind of had a mess of kids himself. (laughs) And, but you know, so it's kind of one of the things I thought was kind of funny. I should have wrote the quote down. So he's going through his life. He always wanted to be out hunting. You know, that's kind of where, where he, he wanted to be. And it's, it's, it said he moved around quite a bit too, always taking a fresh start. And it's, it made it sound like one of the things that he kind of got himself into trouble financially a time or two. And so he always had to move on to someplace new and have a fresh start. But, uh, um, and then, then it's saying that one point in time, so when he went, went into Congress, or, you know, he served a couple of terms in Congress. Uh, and he said it was, that, uh, you know, it sounded like it was about 
today as it was back then that the Congress guys would speak a bunch of bunch of words but never say anything that meant anything. And so he got tired of it and decided to go in and and uh, do what he could. And he said you know, to uh, help Congress, I guess. And I didn't really read. That's another rabbit hole that I got to go down one of these days is what he actually did while he was in Congress. Like, I think, you know, he fought, he got uh, with Andrew Jackson. Him and Andrew Jackson, I think, had a couple of arguments. Yeah. Um, um. He was, uh, he wanted to defend. I, I saw something earlier whenever I was doing a little bit of research and speaking of just that, uh, that was one takeaway that I, that I, uh, remember is he, he was, um, he wanted to defend squatters on land. So like there would be these people that would kind of squat on land that was not very appealing. Right. And, uh, he actually wanted to stick up for him and was like, they should either be granted that land to keep it for themselves or at least be able to purchase it at a very fair price. And uh, so that was one of his things. But if I remember right, the, what, what they said was uh, Andrew Jackson didn't really give him much support on that. And that's yeah. kind of what started because they were both from Tennessee and so at one time they got along because they're kind of from the same area. But then as time went on, they didn't get along because he didn't get the support from Andrew Jackson that he wanted. I don't know if that's something that you saw too no. or not, but. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, uh, that, you know, that, yeah. And then I think he, one of the things I said too, is that he was very, uh, I guess, uh, wanting to help the the Indians, you know, the, their rights and helping them with, you know, obtaining their property or their land, and uh, but you know, so he served in Congress, served a couple different terms, like from eighteen twenty one to eighteen twenty three. Then there's a chunk where he didn't get reelected. Then he was got reelected from 1826 and then he kind of stayed in there till 1833. And uh, I wish I can remember the, the quote. I'm kind of going all over the place, jumping all over, but hopefully it doesn't, you know, not, not everyone's going to know his quite uh journey, but so when he got done with Congress, he, I think he more or less said, uh, I wish I could remember the quote, but he said, I'm done with Congress and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of here and going to Texas, <laughs> but he did. So <laughs> back up a little bit and he fought in the, of the, in the Indian wars of 1812. And, uh, you know, as a, you know, help track people, how help track down the others, the, uh, Brits and whatnot. And, uh, but he, they found that he was actually a pretty good hunter and so he'd spend a lot of his time out in the woods hunting, uh, trying to gain food for, uh, for the army that he was with and not spend so much time out fighting. He kept, you know, if you were with his regiment, you were sound like you were fed pretty good. And it was usually wild game meat that you were fed. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be. <laughs> and one of the things I thought, too, was kind of interesting as far as, you know, the war goes. He quoted once that that uh, it's kind of I guess it sounds a little. How to put it like, you know. So anyways, what he said was if it was up to the women to choose whether or not the men went to war that there would never be any wars fought because the women would never let their men leave to go to war, but <laughs> which is a true statement. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, one of the things, so about his, his hunting career, I found, I was trying to find some stories that went along with that. And, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that 
So one spring in one month, he killed uh, 47 bears. I guess that was one of the things that he loved to hunt most was, uh, was bears. And, uh, but that, so that took his total. It said that his total in a 12 month span, he killed 105 bears. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, when we talk about, you know, our tag system and stuff nowadays, like, could you imagine just like having that free market to or open market, open season just to kill whenever you wanted or, you know, or to harvest, I guess. Well, during, during that, during some of those times that, it was, I mean, that was kind of free market hunting back then. Right. Well, and like so. the other thing too, is kind of interesting is, you know, so you're Tennessee, everything West of Tennessee is considered like the frontier, you know? So like, I mean, what I'm getting at is that there was all sorts of land and like, you know, game. I it would just be, it'd be interesting just to like go back in time and see like like the droves of the game, you know, like <laughs> I don't know, like I kind of picture this world of of uh not walking far into the woods and then running into you name it almost, you know, like deer, fear and deer country, you know, not not working all that hard to come across the deer. Sounds like it wasn't all that hard to come across a bear if he's getting a hundred and five of them a year. Uh, you know, I don't know the uh, the numbers on on the take on on states for bear, but I imagine that's probably what uh, for the number of people that purchase a bear tag and then the number of people that are successful. That's probably the amount for the whole state <laughs> in most states that allow bear hunting. If you think about it, I. Sure, we're not far off. 105 bears sounds like quite a bit. Right. <laughs> well, that's that was the other thing, too. Is like, I mean, so hunted, you know, more or less hunted since I was 12. And I haven't, I guess I, I haven't hunted every season, but hunted ever since I was 12. And I've, I've harvested uh, six or seven deer. You know, in 20 years of hunting, <laughs> and he's hunt, he's harvested, I mean, who knows how many deer it was with that, too, but 105 bears in one year, that's like 10 of my lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But, but like you said earlier, like what you alluded to earlier was there, there had to have been so much game out there where it was easier to run into. Well, and he was probably a good bear hunter too. I mean. Yeah. So that was one of the things too, is it said that, uh, I, I think he, you know, he'd probably tracked them and he probably after 105 bears in one year, you probably knew quite a bit about bears, but he liked to use dogs. He would, he would use dogs to hunt bears. And I thought it was interesting too. Cause the one article I read said that, uh, that he would use, uh, non-purebreds like he didn't like to use a purebred dog he just liked to use a mutt more or less hmm. to hunt bears it didn't go into a into why but i thought that was kind of interesting and he, uh he oh, one the, of the store he took the best oh. attribute of every of every every uh uh <laughs> kind of dog in 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 a in a mutt and, and just explored their the best attribute that they had, probably. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's a whole yeah. <laughs> I I just threw you off your train of thought. My bad. No, I just went down like started going down a whole other another train of thought because of uh, and there's the, I don't know if you know much about dog breeds, but or I'm sure you do. But there's a dog breed called Catahoula Leopard. I don't know nothing about that dog breed. So it's kind of a, a 
Heinz 57, like a mixture of a whole bunch of different breeds. Okay. Of, it's actually a hound dog is what it, and it was bred to, uh, to, to hunt bears. Mm. And, uh, and it's kind of a little bit, a little bit more of a beefier dog, but anyways, back to, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> back to Davy Crockett. Uh, he was talking about, uh, he was out hunting bears one day with his dogs and, and I guess he was getting irritated because it, it sounded like it was like on a spring day or, you know, it, the, the water was cold and maybe a little bit icy as he was like tracking through the marshlands and stuff. And, uh, his dogs were, were tracking this bear and he was getting frustrated because he's happened to go through all this marsh and wetlands. And finally the, um, finally they treed this bear that he was hunting and he got up to it and sounded like it got within it says 80 yards and uh he shot it shot once and the bear let out a big roar and pawed at him and then he quickly reloaded and fired another shot up at him and uh that with that shot the bear fell out of the trees and then when it hit the ground it grabbed a hold of one of his uh one of his dogs. So it, <laughs> the story, I, he it makes it sound like, uh, he, so the story says that he grabbed his hatchet and his butcher's knife or like and ran in after the dog and the bear was going to like attack it. And, uh, it said, it says in his own words, he tells a story that, uh, the bear let go of his dog and then he still had sound like he still had to reload his his rifle, and uh, he's like, I figured I figured I should reload my rifle before that bear gave me a bear hug and got a little bit too close for comfort. So it <laughs> it reads that he hurried and reloaded his his musket or his rifle one more time and fired into the bear for a third time and finally killed it. And it he claims his bear weighed in at six hundred pounds. Mm. Wow, that's Which a big bear. Be, yeah. And I think like down in Tennessee, that would have been a black bear. Like, you know, like I don't think they have any grizzly bears or brown brown bears down that way. So that would have been a big, big black bear. Yeah, really big. And uh so I said he went back, left it, went back home, grabbed a couple guys and four horses, and uh went back and butchered up that that uh um bear and and hauled it out could you imagine bear hunting with a musket i mean that's no. all they had back then but you know you don't get your bear down right away and that thing starts coming after you and you're trying to reload and right like you know <laughs> yeah and then talking about having nerves of steel like Yeah, like it's just a different mentality, you know, or do you just not like you don't have any other choice, so you, so you have to reload, you know? I yeah. guess I guess you do have another choice, you can run, but <laughs> if you want to keep shooting, you got to stand there and reload. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, that's uh, <laughs> But uh see, I wanted to I guess go into so God, there's one other story I was going to tell, and I can't remember. I didn't have it written down, but as I was telling the bear story, it popped up in my in my memories, and I was going to going to share it, but I can't remember what story that was now. But anyways, and then so we'll I'll go ahead and kind of dive into uh, taking off and going to Texas. And uh, I think he was heading off. So it's kind of interesting because one of the things I came across that we know him as a, for wearing his coonskin hat. And so we always assumed, I, well, I, you know, he'll always wore a coonskin hat. But supposedly one of the stories that, um, that I came across said that like the people that he was in Congress with um, gave him that, that hat. And, uh, when he left mm. and 
I don't know how true, you know, like that was, I only, it was kind of interesting because I, I felt like every time I was reading something on them, there's always something that someone, that another article didn't have. So I don't know if they were like focusing just on a certain part of it or what, but like they, they all kind of covered the same thing. But then there's always a little folklore into it, which was kind of along like what we were talking about earlier and saying that how he is kind of like full of himself a little bit or, you know, he, he allowed like more or less in our terms, comic strips or, you know, like little audio bio, audio bio, biographies written about him. Right, right, yeah. People would like, you know, hey, I want to tell tell this story about when you did this, and okay, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you'd kind of add to it, boast about it a little bit. Yeah, they'd they'd make up a story, and you'd be like, yeah, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then the other, so yeah, and then. And then when he left too, when he was in Congress, I should have backed up. But he got he uh, they they all saved up and bought him a rifle. I think they said it was a two hundred dollar rifle, and uh, they all pitched in like fifty cents in order to to buy him this rifle. So that's a lot of people that pitched in. I think it was fifty that, cents. That, I don't... Fifty cents. That would have been like four hundred people that had to pitch in for right. $200 rifle. I should go back and find it because I remember thinking, I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. And I looked at like the decimal point and I believe it was 50 cents. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, in, in today's money, that'd be that'd be pretty good if we could get like 400 people to pitch in like 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> that'd be good money now, you know? Yeah. So like they, they also, I guess, you know, got him that coonskin hat supposedly and then bought him a rifle. And, uh, but anyway, so he takes off, wants to go to Texas and, and gets caught up with going into the Alamo. And I didn't really look into everyone kind of knows the story of the Alamo, you know, uh, fighting for it and whatnot. And I was kind of, kind of, I guess, closing things up with Davy Crockett here on this conversation for tonight, but I wanted to kind of discuss a little bit because it's kind of, I found a couple of things that were kind of interesting is we, you know, everyone, I would think that he didn't survive the Alamo. Um, now that he was killed there and uh, San, San, Santa Ana, I guess, you know, he went in and was saying that we know we're not taking any prisoners that we're killing them all. And, uh, and which, you know, it's kind of interesting because there is some rumors that he maybe survived the Alamo. And there, and like in one way he kind of did, and we'll get that one out of the way is that he survived it as becoming a legend you know, so he's always going to be remembered. His spirit was always going to be remembered. Who he was is always going to be remembered. And one of the things I, I saw was kind of interesting was one guy uh, says that um, Davy Crockett was a Freemason. And I guess they have a, a secret uh, signal Sorry. or secret well it's a secret society kind of but secret like handshakes and secret hand signals and stuff uh-huh and uh which was kind of interesting because one of the things that they were saying too so anyway so i don't know what the these hand secret hand signals are but one of the the guards claims that more or less that davy crockett was brought up in a line of people and they were just lined them up and they were going to, they were just either bayoneting them, I think it was, or killing them somehow one at a time. And it came, came for Davy Crockett's turn to be, to be killed. And, uh, he did this secret hand signal and Santa Ana, I guess, was also a Freemason. 
and he recognized it and allowed Davy Crockett to live. Mm. And supposedly, um, oh, what battle was it when the <laughs> When, when when Santa Ana finally lost and was captured, you know, after the Alamo, um, supposedly he did the same Masonic uh, hand signal to his captures and, and they allowed him to live. And I yeah. guess it was like the same same thing during like the Civil War, like whenever a captain from either side would get captured that do the secret hand signal and the cap three was a free, if they were a Freemason would allow this person to live, which is kind of interesting. Like, you know, there's proof of that, I guess in the, in those, in the civil war. So like people are trying to stretch it into saying that because Davy Crockett and Santa Ana were both Freemasons, that there is a possibility that, Davy Crockett lived. But the big argue is argument is if he lived, why did he stay so quiet? That's that's my biggest uh thing that that's that's the biggest part to me that I'm I'm like there's no there's no way that he would Stay quiet. I mean, he'd walk out of there and say, hey, I'm Davy Crockett, and I survived the Alamo, right? I right. Mean, he would boast about it. That's kind of his nature is boasting about everything great that he'd done. He's like a modern-day Donald Trump. I shouldn't say but that. the only thing that, that I can kind of think that as to why maybe he didn't was, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it would have been like to be inside the Alamo. To have, you know, like how long was that? Like a 12, 12 day like siege or something like that or a week? Something like that. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine being fight, you know, like knowing that odds were stacked against you, you know, to keep fighting. And then, you know, and then surviving that. And then maybe it was just too much for him to like, why did he get to survive and no one else? You know, the, some type of a guilt set in. And so he just wanted to live out the rest of his life quietly. So you, you think he would have done that though? I don't know. That's, that, that's the only reason why I could think maybe he, if he did survive, why he didn't, he could, he could have been the modern days lone survivor. Right. But you would also think though, too, if, with all the years that have gone by that somebody could have, would have turned something up to, prove for a hundred percent that he I think I think it's a nice story or it kind of right, adds I do to too. the it adds to the the myth of of uh Davy Crockett but it's just I don't know I, I don't under I don't think that he would stay quiet. And like you said if everybody else I mean yeah I don't know I guess whenever you go down those conspiracy uh rabbit holes you you can come up with all kind you know oh everybody else died but at the last second davy crockett gave a freemason handshake or signal and they're like oh hold up you know right <laughs> this guy can go <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds nice or whatever but i mean it's just i'm pretty sure if and it Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was it was years later that they they kind of looked into it and uh, started thinking that he might have not have died. Right? It wasn't right away, right. or or was it right away? Like after uh, he died? No, because I think it was like in the one of the things I found said it was like in the memoirs of Captain So and So of under Santa Ana. This was found. Gotcha. But anyway, you know, like I guess the end of the story here, you know, he was kind of he was an interesting fellow, just kind of like we what we discussed with uh Daniel Boone, 
is that he was really a real liked guy. You know, he could, that's one of the things that everyone liked about Davy Crockett was that he, when he talked to you, he talked in like uh, folklore or, you know, like he talked as, you know, like the, the frontiersman that he was and he street, he treated Congress the same, like he didn't sugarcoat anything or try to say something that he didn't, didn't want not to be said. And, uh, talked it, you know, with his frontiersman's lingo, and that's what everybody liked about him. Instead of boring people to death, he'd say what needed to be said, and that was, and then be done with it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's uh, sorry, I'm just trying to look up, see if I can find anything real quick. It's But yeah, so he, you know, quite the, you know, interesting fellow. Like I said, he definitely one of us in a way. He'd rather spend most of his time out in the woods hunting than he would want to spend it at home. <laughs> it's kind of funny that uh, at least whenever, you know, like the research that we're trying to do and, you know, we're just doing quick research and trying to, figure out where um you know because last week we did we did uh daniel boone and then this week we're doing david crockett davy crockett um it's funny where like you know i thought whenever i was looking up daniel boone that was kind of more my my uh homework or whatever that i would get into all these expedition stories and you know, oh, the great journey of whatever, you know, the the animals that they took and stuff. And they, I feel like these historians kind of just skim over. Oh, yeah. By the way, they were great hunters, but he was also a congressman. And let's go into the congressman thing, because that's what really sparked my interest, because today we still talk about them being great hunters and and uh, expeditionists. Is expeditionists the right word? Feels like the right word. Sure. Sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, great explorers and, and uh, frontiersmen as, as you said earlier. And, but then you start doing the research and they, they kind of go more in depth of their, of their political careers and uh, their last stands at the Alamo and, and uh, their townsmanship of, of uh, uh, Boonesboro but they don't really go in depth of the expedition. So it's kind of weird how like, like me and you, we grew up hearing about Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone for being these great hunters. But whenever you, you know, I'm sure like the books and stuff go more in detail of the hunting side of it. But whenever you're trying to look up stuff to fill up a podcast, uh, it goes more into the, the other stuff rather than the hunting side of it. But at the same time, Boone and Crockett, the organization was was developed kind of suggesting that they were these great hunters and and they were in their own right. I mean, but like I said, like they are you kind of grasping what I'm trying to say, how they kind of skim over the at the the hunting side of it and kind of focus more in on the other right. I'm a yeah. But yeah, I guess more it, of the Go ahead. Well, it's just it's just weird because that's what they talk about is how they became famous with being in politics, being warriors, um, being, being everything else, but hunters, but people like, or like me and you, we, we grew up knowing them as these hunters and not so much politicians or, or uh, serving in the army. You know, we were, we were kind of on the other side of that where, where we we knew them more as hunters, right? More woodsmen, and so it's just kind of funny whenever you start doing the research and you're like, "Oh, this is all cool, but where's all the where's all the good hunting stories?" That's what we're after, <laughs> right? So, right, like I, I I try to like, you know, trying to go to the hunting stories, and last, you know, like I found a couple of little stories, but I actually like had to 
try to search than the search engine, you know, like Daniel Dave, Davy Crockett hunting, Davy Crockett bear story or something like that. Then I started like getting into some of them, but for the most part, like, you know, if you just dive, dive in on Davy Crockett, it just, you know, it just says he was a frontiersman, you know, started hunting or shooting his dad teaching him when he was like six. And so, you know, yeah, but then it goes more into you know, life as a congressman and you know, a little bit of struggles, struggles financially as a human being. And then, yeah, going getting into, um, I think he, I skipped, skipped that, but he, I think he served it, says served as a sheriff for a handful of years. Oh, really? Yeah. But then, you know, like, yeah, then taking off and, and going to Texas and getting caught up in the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, he had an interesting life. I mean, there's no no doubt about that. And I mean, I guess it all adds to it, it all adds to the uh, to the fame of Davy Crockett. I just thought it was kind of funny because we're not funny, but just whenever I started searching um, searching up Daniel Boone, for example, who I spent more time on, I was I was looking for all the, all the story. Now, I'll, I'll, you know, don't get me wrong. They sprinkled a little bit of like the, like going back to Daniel Boone, whenever he was uh, captured by the Indians and, uh, and they, he started showing him them that his skills of tracking and uh, pursuing animals and, they were impressed by, by his skills, his outdoors skills. Uh, they started giving him more freedoms, but then like they kind of sprinkled that in there, but then they go straight to him just escaping and, you know, like not really going, going into maybe how many animals they killed where he killed for him or, you know, it just kind of, they sprinkle in the, the hunting aspect, like the bear story, they'll sprinkle it in, but then they go, like you said, they go straight to uh, being a congressman and almost everything else but the hunting portion of it. But it's weird, though, because without doing a lot of research on these guys, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of circle talking right now, but, you know, we I knew them always, or knew both of those guys as more of like a hunter. You know, I just always knew them as, as this hunting these hunting experts and uh and and they were but just the stories kind of kind of shy away from the hunting side of it and talk more about all the other things that they did but it's kind of interesting that they both uh daniel boone and kind of the similarities between them daniel boone and davy crockett uh both you know served in in the military and uh served in in government it's kind of interesting that they both went that route, you know? Yeah. Uh, and may- maybe that's what gave them their big name. You know, there's probably other hunters sure. that maybe blew their animal killing. Uh, animal killing sounds a little controversial, but right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's probably other hunters that blew their records out of, out of the water, but they just weren't as known. They weren't known for their, service in the in in government or whatever so but you know yeah these two just happen to make a lot of a lot of uh noise coming up i was thinking about something you said earlier uh him being the fifth of 11 children him being right in the middle uh he probably learned how to be loud to uh, oh, gain that uh, g- gain that attention, he probably learned it as a kid how to how to get the attention, how to how to be noticed, and probably carried that through all his life. The crazy thing with uh, David Crockett is he uh, how old was he whenever he died? Uh, I think it was forty nine. 49 yeah 
in some way, or especially compared to Boone, that's so early. Yeah. He died a pretty young man. True. But it probably also helped his, uh, <laughs> his legend, his, his myth. legendary status. Yeah. We might have to do a hunt, try to get some old flintlock rifles at some time and <laughs> hunt with old, the old smoke pole, the old fashioned, you know, Kentucky long rifle. <laughs> I would, I'd love to do that. I'll try that. <laughs> get dressed up in some buckskin and. Yeah. That's the one thing I think would be kind of interesting to do. Maybe we do like a I kind of that's one of the things I kind of thought about as I was reading through this and thinking about that time is we should maybe take turns, get it like have each of us get a pair of buckskins or something and then have one of us wear kind of today's hunting attire and the other one wear buckskin and then go hunting side by side and uh, and see what we can what it's like. We'd have to do it archery though, because of Hunter Orange. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that or just going for a hike. Just go for hike. Go for a hike. I'm, I'm sure that would uh, take care of it. I'm sure. I'm sure if there's anybody else out in the woods, we'd get some funny looks. True. <laughs> but it'd be fun though. It'd be fun to just it would make. Be. Make some, yeah. some fun videos around that, you know, where we're just doing some silly stuff. So did they, uh, I got a question for you. I don't know if they, they never found his body. They, I mean, everybody died at the Alamo and let, well, let, that's like the kind of, so like there's a couple of different things. Like they say, you know, like they just piled everybody up and buried them in the Alamo. So, no, they'd never found his body, supposedly. But I think there's a couple people in there that said, you know, like uh, the from the Spanish or the Mexican side of it saying that, you know, they saw his body in the heap of pile or something. But, yeah, I think that's just the end of the story. People kind of leave it at is that he's buried in with a heap of people under the under the streets of San Antonio. Hmm. Do uh that's uh trying to see trying to see a family tree. I, I was kind of wondering if there's still descendants. There has to be descendants of today, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure there is after after his yeah, eight kids or seven kids that he had. The reason I say that is because I feel like they could. I don't really know what the Alamo. I guess what I'm trying to say is I wonder if they could ever do an archaeological dig. True. And uh, I think like it'd be one of those things would be kind of hard to do because, you know, I don't think they individually put people in graves. They just kind of piled them up and buried them. So if they did find the pile of bones, it be quite the job to uh well that's why i asked about the descendants if there's descendants today because then they could get a get a dna sample and then start sampling all the bones yeah it'd be a project but i mean i don't know i'm surprised that the government or somebody don't throw a little money at it maybe a billionaire that wants to know the answer himself throw a little at it and say start Start taking DNA samples, see what happens. I don't know. It's kind of funny that there's so much myth around it, but I feel like 
I feel like if somebody cared enough, they could probably find the answer. True. If he was there in the pile of, of people that were buried. Right. I don't know that probably a little much. Maybe the myth is funner than the truth, but <laughs> it's just a thought. Oh, you can go to the Alamo. Hold on one second. Maybe not during COVID, but you could go to the Alamo uh, from 9 to 5.30 and Sundays from 10 to 5.30. What, so, you want to go tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. I'll swing by and pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Pack a lunch. <laughs> isn't there an old... Uh, isn't there... Isn't there an old movie called the Alamo? Yeah, there's there's a handful of them. Yeah, I think I've seen it a couple times. Or seen one of the versions a couple times. Maybe a couple of the different. It's crazy that that building is still standing today, though. True. It's kind of cool, really. But you have anything else on? Uh, no, not not at this point. I think it. I'd like to do some more research on, like we were talking about, some of his hunting adventures, and you know, try to share some more of that at some point down the road. But no, as far as tonight, I think that's about all I I got for him. Perfect. Yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else to add either. I think I pretty much showed all my cards on <laughs> Davy Crockett. <laughs> so. Do you have anything else? No, I, I can't think of anything else. Okay, well. Yeah, well, uh, do you want to get us out of here? You want me to? Sure, I can get us out of here. All right. Uh, welcome, or not welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. Uh, I could, <laughs> Thanks I could for. T- I could tell that you're starting to fade a little bit. I'm starting <laughs> to fade too. Thanks for uh, watching, guys. Uh, people that that all uh, you you fans out there, you roadies, appreciate it. Um, uh, thanks for watching. Hopefully, you liked it enough that you give us a thumbs up or a comment. Uh, tell if there's something you, that we missed, let us know. Um, again, you know, we're, we're, these are f- people that we're interested in. We may not know all the facts or understand all the facts, but we'll give, we'll give them to you how we understand them or how we see them. And, uh, but yeah, we appreciate it. And hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it and like subscribe and be a friend. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one guys. Thank you.